In a world full of confusing conversations that divides the world into black and white, our hosts invite listeners to abandon duality and live in the gray. By approaching each topic with unapologetic boldness, clarity, and nuance, even we know that leans into the opportunity to say the quiet parts out loud. Now, here are our hosts, LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz. Hello there, everybody. Whether you're watching live or listening to us on your favorite podcast streaming platform, it is so amazing to have you here. And even we know that it's another wonderful Wednesday in the na- in the neighborhood. Shout out to the OG, uh, Mr. Rogers, for giving <laughs> us those ways to talk ourselves through the day. Um, my name is Latoya Green. I'm the owner of Higher Definition Leadership and Empowerment Coaching, where my only goal is to connect the relationship between empowerment and leadership, leadership and empowerment, so we can all elevate ourselves to the next level. So excited to be here with a good friend of mine, Kat of Compassionate Healing Services. Kat, go ahead and talk to the people about who you are, what you do, and where they can find you. Happily, yes. So I am the CEO and founder of Compassionate Healing Services, which treats mental health in a whole different way. Um, Really considering the whole person, when I use the word holistic healer, I really mean that with a W. You know, we need to merge the best of West and Eastern medicine. I was trained formally as a physical therapist. I, I practiced for 20 years as a physical therapist, but now I do my healing as a Reiki master of masters, an accessible yoga teacher. Um, a speaker, an educator, um, uh, and most importantly to my heart, um, a suicide prevention specialist, and most Mm -hmm. relevant to this conversation, a lifelong, or at least as best as I can be, intersectional feminist. Someone who, you know, really cares about um, not just the girls, guys, by the way, (laughs) you know, uh, patriarchy hurts men and women in every gender and non-binary and, folks and everybody exactly else it hurts everybody so um and I'm so excited for this conversation which is a continuation of a conversation yeah I think I mean, you tuned Kim, in I know I know you left us a comment so you were there Kim Kim before we even get to some of where we're going I want to make sure to your list of accolades we have fireball Kim in the comments wanted to make sure that we recognize the fiery nature in you that really comes out in all of the most amazing ways all the time. To be clear, if you want to follow up with Kat about some of the amazing work that she does, uh, go find her at chsyoga.com, chsyoga.com. If you want to talk to me, look for me at higherdefinitionlec.com or just Google Higher Definition LEC and I'll pop up on my social media, my TikTok, my Instagram, everything like that. Um, But speaking of the fireball that is Kat, I got to listen in to the fieriness and to the uh, beautiful heart and soul and the visionary and the activist that is in you in a conversation with a good friend of yours, Ace, on Monday. And in that conversation, which really leads us to uh, this fat phobia conversation, you were going in about body dysphoria. You were talking a lot about diet culture. You were uh, just dropping some bonds and some gems about better relationships uh, between ourselves, our physical health and our mental health, kind of triangulating those dynamics. Talk to us a little bit about that that conversation, because I got the I got the good stuff, but there are people who were not as privileged. So what were some highlights from the conversation you had with Ace the other day? Absolutely. And this is really the issue to which I can speak most personally, because I am a a white woman who has always benefited from thin privilege. We'll get uh, more later into what that means. 
but um and but yet struggled very very much for more than 20 years with both mm. chronic dieting a real problematic relationship with exercise and really severe body image issues i wouldn't say i had body dysmorphia that's a more severe um manifestation of that but mm. um but enough that it absolutely affected all areas of my life including my sexual health my relationships my um you know my willingness to go out and socialize depending on which end of the weight spectrum I was on right and so um and I I certainly wanted to start this conversation by validating anyone who relates to that experience. And I think I'm talking to a lot of people here right now. And I'm mm -hmm. also talking not just to people, uh, white people, but also to black people within privilege, right? There is really a... Um, a hierarchy of bodies in our society that's not at all unlike racism and specifically yeah. colorism. And you and I discussed that in our wonderful conversation that I want to um, let people know exists. And it's yeah. on Toya's other amazing uh, show, which is the Chop Up Show. And in February, we had a conversation that we're not repeating here. So please go and listen to that one as well. Right, we'll get right. a lot more nuggets. And um, you'll also get the the flavor of her show as well. So, um, and it, at least for the first couple of seasons, featured the Consciously, who was on our show last week. Please. It, it extemporaneously features the Consciously. So he's always around in the shadow somewhere for us. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, do yourself a favor and check that show out as well. And uh, check out our conversation last week on neurodivergence. It was wonderful. Absolutely. So, so yeah, so I I want to I really wanted to speak in an, an Ace who's a dear friend of mine at Ace Yoga LA. You'll find the conversation on her um platform on Instagram or mine which is at Compassionate Healing Services. And um we talked about just some tips that helped me um at least in the more superficial sense really address my problematic and very damaging relationship with my own body. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so one of the things that I started doing that was absolutely instrumental to my recovery from severe mental health issues was intuitive eating. Right. And intuitive eating is a book that I read in 2015, the authors being Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rush. And they explained to me in a way that my family, society, and even graduate school level physical therapy program had failed to, which is that dieting wasn't the solution I was searching for. It was the problem mm. <laughs> to the, you know, to the war on obesity or whatever, you know, I mean, so, um, so, and it was such a, a radical paradigm shift for me that it completely altered my entire life, including professionally. Right. So, you know, to say it had a significant impact is an understatement. So that's a, a 10 practice um, or 10 guideline practice uh, that you can look up or we won't spend time on the principles here, but um, that was really important. And, then, yeah, and I like the way you described, I just want to say really quickly in yeah. talking about that book, one of the things I like that you described it is it's not rules, right? It's not like a hard line framework. It simply refines the perspective. It refines the approach. It ref refines the mindset and allows you to think about, you know, the body that you're in, the food that you put in it and the way that you build a relationship, a healthy relationship between those two things in a multiplicity of ways. But I really like that it's not another do this or you're going to fail or or if you do this only by doing these things, you will succeed, but rather just a more fluid and renewed 
kind of understanding of what it means to eat, to nourish the body, to understand different cues that the body tells you about what you're doing and giving to it. And so that made me excited kind of about the gems that you were dropping and pulling from it, but also about taking a look at the book myself. Absolutely. And, you know, and if you're, if you cannot let go of the need as it was for me for a long time until it wasn't, because I, I made a mindset shift, the need or even the desire to lose weight then what you can rediscover is what your body was born with, which is these intuitive signals, right? Have you ever seen a baby consume so much that, you know, I'm, well, they do vomit. I'm, I'm a parent. I, I certainly know that babies vomit, but when a baby's had enough, whether it's bottle or breast, they'll push that away. You know, they mm -hmm. listen to their bodies. I watched my own children as I didn't luckily um, teach them diet culture because I realized this and I started actively dismantling my own beliefs around this um, for their sake. And they're intuitive eaters to this day. And, you know, it doesn't matter how much they're enjoying what they're eating. Once their bodies say they've had enough, they push away, you know, mm. and they're just very, um, you know, naturally explorative of different types of, you know, foods. And, um, you know, we really teach diet culture is something we learn, just like mm -hmm. white supremacy is something we learn and patriarchy is something we learn. It's not truth, <laughs> you know, and it's really based in ugly, ugly um, systems, which we'll talk more about in later segments. Well, you know, speaking of things that we learn, I want to be clear kind of about a loose definition of what fat phobia is. Right. So fat phobia can, and this is in my own words, be defined as a uh, criticism, a rejection or a discrimination uh, based on the body type, the phenotype, the weight of another individual. Right. So people's body, their mass, the way that they are proportioned, the way that they exist either has become cause for them to be discriminated against, cause for them to be uh, ridiculed or targeted in a particular way, or has called for even the structural ways. And we'll talk about legal discrimination and how literally systems and structures have been designed against people in larger bodies, right, or fat bodies. And so when we look at fat phobia in the way that it's learned, a lot of what you talked about above and a lot of what I think about as a person who uh, both identifies as fat and is identified as fat and has my entire life is that learning about it allows for you to see how we treat other people, but also how we have internalized fat phobia for ourselves, how we become damaging to our own selves. It is a tool and a weapon used against some of our favorite people, some of the people in pop culture that we see, some people that we exist with in our communities and in society and in our workplaces, but it's also a metric and a tool that we use to be damaging to ourselves. And so a lot of what we want to get to in this conversation and in conversations beyond and in the conversations we had on the chop up show is to really find a way to interrogate how we bought into fat phobia and projected it onto other people but more dangerously oftentimes uh overlaid it on ourselves right and that becomes really kind of tricky and damaging in a lot of ways right because no idea can harm you unless you internalize it <laughs> Right. And as much as you might hold the belief, you know, I, I truly held the belief until I read that book in 2015 that I could not find um, happiness or my mental health would never, ever improve until I lost the baby weight. Right. right. You know, it just was so it was such a belief that was so ingrained in me. And once I read the book, had a real mindset shift around the process of dieting, I started understanding that the BMI is literally a racist miss, um, you know, it's a complete misuse of the, even the document 
as it was intended in the 1800s. So we'll talk yeah. more about that later. But um, and that it really was antithetical to my value system right. to continue to participate in a um, in a system that I realized was doing real harm because diet and specifically the BMI the, and the prescription of dieting is weaved and baked into our healthcare system. Right. Again, <laughs> so it, legal discrimination. Legal discrimination, right? So we'll talk in a later segment about how that um, how that relates to um, something we really want to uh, highlight, which is that it's Black Maternal Mental Health Week. Mm. But um, for the to to wrap up the first part of this conversation, if you struggle with body image issues or body dysmorphia to the point where it's really affecting your life in a real way. Some tips that helped me besides intuitive eating um, was to realize that as much as as often as I dieted and I dieted pretty much straight through for 20 years, I never felt the way I wanted to feel even when I looked the way I wanted to look. Hmm. And yet hmm. once I really started listening to my body and, and listening to her wisdom and not trying to control her when she didn't need controlling, um, I really started to feel better. And once I felt better, I didn't really care so much how I looked anymore. It just didn't wow. matter as much. And I was a little bit older and I had kids already. And, you know, you, you get to different stages of life where you can let more super, superficial things go. Right. So, but also with my background in physical therapy, I see what a privilege is or, you know, in the rehab unit where I worked, where I worked with people with strokes and mm -hmm. amputations and major traumas to their bodies and struggling through their own mental health issues as a result of that. And, you know, their goals were, you know, breathe without help, right? Or right. use the bathroom independently or lift arm above head to, mm. you know, so, um, you know, so that really does give you an entire another level of appreciation for what your body does for you. Like maybe mm -hmm. my body, my body will never fit into a size six, but I, but she, she's been there for me every single day. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, you know, supporting me and, and, and dealing with my bullshit, honestly, especially when it <laughs> came to dieting and exercise bulimia, that's really what it was for me. So, um, so let me just make sure I get, we're almost, almost at the first break. So um, I'm going to make sure I, and please go back and re and watch the discussion with Ace because it's more extensive. Um, but also think about your favorite people, right? Whether they're people you admire in the world or whether they're people you're in your family who you really love or coworkers, what do you love about that person? Does it have anything to do with the size of their pants, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. You know? Like you see, Which is, let me, I just, I really quick, the arbitrariness of the size of your pants, because every store size <laughs> fits different An eight right. and a 10 and a 12 is going to fit different at different stores that you go to. So using that as a metric, people's body size or the size clothes that they wear or anything that you think you can understand or interpret about how their body exists is counterproductive and cuts against the other things you really love or appreciate about them. Right. So. Right. And it wouldn't even if the standard didn't exist, no one would be, you know, no one would be considered abnormal. Right. Like we yeah. see the diversity in nature, how beautiful every every variety of flower or dog breed or tree is. And we can't accept that human bodies are just supposed to look different. And that's a beautiful thing. 
It's a beautiful right. thing. Listen, let's, 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 I want to come back to that notion of how we, what we see in nature and how we juxtapose that to what we see in ourselves. We're going to take this break real quick. And then when we come back, we'll dig a little deeper into focusing on fat phobia here at Even We Know That. Trauma, spirituality, and intersectionality are common threads that tie our life experiences together. Understanding trauma, exploring spirituality as a tool to heal, and looking at it all through an intersectional lens is what makes our show unique. By tuning into Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz, you will gain valuable insight and clarity on the issues that affect us most, whether you realize it or not. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to evenweknowthat at gmail.com. Now back to the program. Hello, everyone. I am Kat Schwarz. This is my beautiful co-host, LaToya Green, and we are focusing on fat phobia today. And before the break, we were talking, uh, this is our show, even we know that, if I did not say that. And um, before the break, we were talking about body diversity and what a beautiful thing it is that bodies all look different, right? How absurd that we have the same weight standards for um, people with, let's say, who are four foot 11, you know, and versus people, you know, people, women six foot four, right? Sure. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely illogical is the word I like to use, because I'm just tired of um, acting like this doesn't come from blatant um, association with capitalism. There, you know, there are systems of oppression absolutely profit off our women's constant need to lose weight or believe that they have to fix something about their bodies or even amputate parts of their stomach, right? In order to conform to standards that have been placed upon us all unfairly and with great harm, right? This is not a benign issue in any way, shape or form. It is, yeah, I I just, I just chimed in to say it is, it it all comes at a cost, right? And I think- You know, when you talk about the various matrices of power that influence how we've come to understand bodies or depreciate bodies and their differences, these are not only notions of capitalism, but also notions of patriarchy, also notions of white supremacy, and they all interact in very unique uh, and and explicable but inexplicable ways to reject, to marginalize, and to castigate certain individuals as higher value or lower value in our society, right? And we know the many places we find it. We we find it across the the dining room table, 
right? We find it on mm -hmm. our television sets. We find it on our timelines. We find it um, as we walk around and consume what the world has to give us. And so I know here recently there was a particular celebrity who has been in the news for a different issue other than weight, but this became relevant to some criminal proceedings that she was a part of in dealing with, I think, a lawsuit um, at like a ski resort or something. Somebody got hurt. She was eventually acquitted. But Gwyneth Paltrow uh, was recently um, talking a lot about, and I, I think it's important we look to these voices because they're the ones who get amplified the, amplify the most, exactly. right? They get the most time. They have they get huge the most... platforms. and Exactly. So talk to us about what kind of the ways that the power that she holds peppered in and really complicated uh, what's happening in the world of fat phobia. What were some of her remarks and how do they shape the conversation that we're having right now? Yeah, so I um, I caught wind or anyone saw clips from an interview that she did on some podcast and I don't know the name and I'm not even trying to glorify the episode. Don't go watch it because right. it's really, <laughs> really harmful for white feminists. Let's be clear, white feminists like Gwyneth Paltrow who are making um, light and uh, glamorizing and normalizing lethal eating disorders, right? Mm -hmm. So she was talking about she's very thin. And since that is so revered in our society because of thin privilege, right? Being thin in our society brings with it a lot of praise, right. <laughs> a lot of um, jealousy, right? And and having a fat body in this country is literally, um, you know, denies you quality healthcare and um, employment opportunities, right? So there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, carrots being dangled in front of us to stay thin. So when mm -hmm. people get are very thin, usually completely due to genetics <laughs> and not really their behaviors, but then um, normalize things such as, so the, the male podcaster was asking about her daily diet and she said she wakes up and she has you know maybe she has a glass of water and then she mm -hmm. eats bone broth for mm -hmm. lunch mm -hmm. and steamed vegetables for dinner and then she has ivs that for to supplement her nutrition i mean that is just a classic case of anorexia Right. And, you know, she's she's prescribing this to the her young, impressionable followers. And it's harmful. It's incredibly harmful. Anorexia. This is the um, I'm sorry, eating disorders and anorexia being one of the most um, mo one of the highest incidents are the second most deadly mental illnesses there are. Wow. Right. So right there, let's debunk the idea that somehow dieting and is about health. Mm -hmm. because you know I don't care if you're thin in your casket <laughs> so, I mean and you know go finish that thought sorry no no so um so yeah so I was just really angered as I've been angered about this for eight years now since I read that book and really started putting the pieces together with the feminist in me of how wrong this all is and how right. this really is just yet another arm of white supremacist capitalist heteronormative patriarchy <laughs> you know this is this is the exact beast I've been fighting my whole life and now I'm yeah. participating in it hell no <laughs> you know it just it doesn't it wasn't within my integrity anymore you know when you talk a lot about you know thinness and thin privilege and the relationship of thinness to health I, I think about the way that juxtaposing conversations have you know entered the chat or entered the conversation now when we talk about fat bodies uh, in the in the space or in the context of body positivity right in attempts mm -hmm. to fight back and you know really 
say and challenge the norm and say my body is good because mm -hmm. it's a good body. I have a good body because my body is good because it's been good to me because it keeps me alive because my brain works and my, my heart is beating and my lungs are expanding, right? I have a good body. And so I'm positive about that body. And I, I can't help but to think about how often body positivity by people who don't understand the position that people in fat bodies are in always gets just opposed to being an excuse to be unhealthy, right? Mm -hmm. When really we're looking at and listening to people give excuses for living unhealthy lives, right? Listening to thin people to make it sound okay to sell, to advertise, not being healthy. And so I, I just find it interesting as we look at the kind of combative or conflictual nature of what true health is, I think it really just becomes a question of an individual, their lives and the, and, and the relationship that they have with their, their doctors, but even more so recognizing that doctors often use tools that double down on the side, the mindsets and the psychology of fat phobia, right? So really, and doctors folk alone, right? Whatever right. body that you're in, as long as you're not promoting or projecting things that are harmful or dangerous to other people, live your life. And as I like to say, a higher definition, <laughs> um, you know. So I don't know, but uh, you were you were about to say something. Sorry. No, and I'm sorry. Um, but bless you. Doctors, unfortunately, are just as brainwashed or conditioned by diet culture as any other human or you know especially in a in an intense diet culture like the like the United States has become mm -hmm. you know, and um you know we're we're now doing weight loss uh injections and um you know we'll we'll talk in the last and misappropriating uh diabetes medication in terms of trying to what is it ozempic Ozymp i think so is the new trend scary. that everybody's getting on it's so scary that this misinformation around that thin equals healthy and fat equals unhealthy is killing us. And it's yeah. killing thin and fat people alike, because not only are fat people denied, especially fat black people, fat black women, most mm -hmm. especially denied quality health care, even when pregnant, by the way, um, the thin people are told they're praised for how healthy they are when they're actually quite sick. Yeah. I mean, I, I worked in a, an acute care environment where sometimes I would, I would read the chart before walking in, the person would have 30 medications on their list and they were, you know, they're, they're, but their BMI was great. <laughs> right. Versus right. someone in a higher BMI, like it's just there for a hurt knee. <laughs> so, you know, we really have to examine what health even means. Right. And, and mental health and physical health are absolutely related. You can't mm -hmm. have one without the other. They're two puzzle pieces that fit together and they both have to be present or at least, you know, because health is not health is a privilege and health is not available to everyone. Right. So there are people who live with chronic illness for their entire lives and yet they still deserve dignity and respect and quality care and a lack of shaming. And just like you said, leave the people alone. Right. Right. I mean, like a fat person will go into a doctor's. I actually saw this happen in my own physical therapy clinic where a fat woman came in for an evaluation for her knee pain and the very fat phobic and awful physical therapist who owned the practice. Um, he was trying to tell her that the reason her knee hurt is because she's fat. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. she had just fallen the day before, hurt her knee. She had no knee pain prior to the day before she fell. And now she has knee pain. I think it's because she fell. You know, <laughs> I go, hmm, I didn't need a master's degree to figure that, you know, that Sherlock Holmes out. Goodness. Right. 
And then any old other thin person, any other body that functioned in a different way, that respect and that credibility, there'll be questions about what incited that incident as opposed to assuming that you already know both the cause, the problem, and the solution. I mean, that just the, the time that it doesn't take. And I think this is what a lot of people with thin privilege don't really take the time out to think about, especially when they get into their ruts. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying you shouldn't or are not allowed to feel how you feel about your own body, but when thin people who get to navigate the world with them privilege, get into their ruts about their bodies and they're like, oh, I'm so fat. I'm just so fat. Oh, I'm so fat. No, baby, you feel fat. You are not fat. You feel or you you have occupied a temporary positionality in the world that a lot of people live in. But I don't think you are able to really gain the ownership or the real estate of fatness, because when you go to see your primary care physician, you aren't being regarded with those particular issues. When it's time for you to get on, I think there's a lot of conversation. There's a conversation about a woman who is challenging the airline industry for larger seats. And what do we know about the airline industry? They've been taking away inches and inches and inches and inches to make more money. Right. For years now. But a lot of people have been, ha ha ha, look at this fat lady. All of a sudden, all these fat people want rights. They want space. No, they want to be given an opportunity to exist in communities and in communal, communal spaces like public transportation in ways that don't make it seem like their complete reality is non-existent. So unless you have those type of problems. Right. You have to check the privilege that you have to walk around and be like, oh, I'm so fat. And think about it and consider what that means for somebody in a fat body who is navigating social, professional, political and uh, uh, health care, health based, health care based exclusions and discriminations day in and day out. Right. Y'all right. Just don't live the same lives. And I'll add to that, that not only is if you enjoy thin privilege, mm-hmm. then you do not have the right to own the term fat. Right. You know that and and there's no shame in being fat, by the way. It's just a body descriptor. And fat is not a feeling. You're saying I feel fat instead of saying I feel uncomfortable instead of saying I feel, um, you know, I don't feel comfortable in my body or I um there's something wrong and I'm blaming it on my body. Let's really, really name what we're saying. And you yeah. do invalidate the very real oppress oppressive and discriminatory practices that fat people face every single day out in the world. And um, by complaining that your your fat role is going over your je- your the pants of your jeans, those are right. not the same thing. Meanwhile, I'm getting <laughs> harassed in my job and overlooked for uh, uh, promotions because people feel like my fat body doesn't belong in the same space as them or that I'm not as intelligent as them, as them because right. they're basing my body mass off of my capabilities or you don't feel like I'll be up to snuff to, to you know do whatever physical commitment the job may offer or ask it, my my lifeline my livelihood is oftentimes on the line and you upset about some jeans keep in mind I talked about earlier how you can just go get your size 12 from another store and probably be a-okay because of the mm-hmm. accessibility and availability of those things and I'm going to paraphrase, but there's an amazing human being named Sonia, Re- Sonia Renee Taylor, a Black mm-hmm. woman who wrote The Body is Not an Apology. And she, uh, she, you know, find her words of wisdom whenever you can. And I believe her quote said something to the effect of, you know, Black women are out here every day fighting for our lives. Mm-hmm. And y'all are, y'all are worried about losing the last 10 pounds. Come on now. What right. Are your priorities? Right. Instead of joining us in the fight, you know, like it's just it's time to put your um, action where your values supposedly are. 
I mean, and you have some things that you've been doing and that people can follow along with in terms of putting your money where your mouth is and your actions where your interests are. And so after this break, we'll come back and get into some more details about some of the activisms you've been specifically doing. And here in a second. Thank you. Trauma, spirituality, and intersectionality are common threads that tie our life experiences together. Understanding trauma, exploring spirituality as a tool to heal, and looking at it all through an intersectional lens is what makes our show unique. By tuning into Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz, you will gain valuable insight and clarity on the issues that affect us most, whether you realize it or not. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Catch Wars. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to evenweknowthat at gmail.com. Now back to the program. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. We've been having an insightful conversation um, about fat phobia. Just so you know, having a lot of insightful conversations here. So if you missed the conversation on neurodivergence that we had with the consciously, definitely go check out last week's conversation and next week is all about ego versus intuition so we'll take a pivot and head into a conversation that really allows for us to look introspectively and think about where we're operating from from moment to moment uh want to shout out uh kim in the chat kim in the chat cat uh which is the host here i don't know why i shouted out cat cat is here i'm just looking through the chat and seeing people talk christine made an arrival here earlier and i even think that Sarah, hopefully you're still in the chat as well, just kind of vibing with us and having some great conversations. So I want to show love to folks who are pulling up to the Inspired Choices Network, getting on the live, getting in the chat, having these conversations with us. They even we know that super special to us, super important. So thank you. My hat goes off to you. Um, I want to get into what you've been up to and what you're doing. We've talked about the BMI, we've talked about activism, we've talked about taking action in the face of fat phobia and what we can do both as fat people and people who want to do right by fat people um, in this society and in this world. So uh, talk to us, Kat, a little bit about, you You previewed it early, but what have you specifically been doing in to, to combat fat phobia in your own way? Well, I am proud to say that I've been pissing people off about this since 2015. <laughs> I've lost a lot of friends, Legal a lot of followers, and I'm still talking about this because yeah. it's hard to hear. But it's, you know, the same people who were uh, telling me how crazy I was. I hear that a lot. Um, back in 2015 for not going back on Weight Watchers, even though I had just given birth to a second child and I was mm -hmm. the heaviest I'd been, but I knew dieting just didn't work after 20 years, it turned out, right? Here, my body just simply rebelled against my efforts to be in control in this really harmful way. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I, I've been talking about this on various podcasts since then, but um, back in 2021, I believe I did put together a petition, which is available on change.org. And I'm sure we'll find a way to link that in our, on our social media. And it is to um, a call to the American Medical Association, as well as the National Eating Disorder Association, which is highly complicit mm-hmm. in the um, in the capitalist machine of diet culture, and um, which is alarming to say the least. Yeah. And it's to eradicate the use of the BMI and the prescription of weight loss from our healthcare system because because the BMI doesn't belong in, it belongs in the trash bin is where it belongs. It's an index that was created by a white European statistician, a man who was not a a doctor, not a doctor, no, no, a statistician and a mathematician. Mm -hmm. It was to quantify quote, the ideal man. (laughs) And it had only to do with the, you know, the metrics of the body and nothing to do with health, nor was it ever intended to be used for individuals, only populations. And yet this made it into our healthcare system through lobbyists, I'm sure, you know, we, we all know how that works. Or we certainly do. We know that. (laughs) Right. So, um, so so the fact that we use a standard that is inherently racist and, eug- right? and eugenicist, I, I want to be clear. And eugenicist, that yes. This is, this is eugenics. When you attempt to create from a prototype of uh, a, a good, proper white man, and you mm-hmm. project those expectations onto my African-American family mm-hmm. from West Africa, grandma from Mississippi, grandpa from uh, 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 Louisiana body, the 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 numbers not numbering right your stat your status your, your statistics not not statin right math is not mathing the no math it's... is simply not mathing because you have attempted to perfect <laughs> the body in ways that are disingenuous and disaligned and incongruent with the diversity of bodies that we talked about before that are beautiful necessary and make up what we know to be this human race Right. And um, perhaps people don't know that, although, of course, um, Jewish people were the majority of the people who lost their lives in the Holocaust. Hitler also um, targeted fat people, disabled mm-hmm. people, men, mm-hmm. you know, uh, people with mental disabilities. Mm-hmm. You know, these are these are classes of people that have been um, literally murdered <laughs> for and 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 in many ways slowly killed by the c- complete lack of access to quality healthcare and yes because the as you pointed out it's if a if a if a an index is put together by and for white european men how is it in any way relevant to black women it's mm-hmm. not <laughs> so Therein lies the the problem. It's not even relevant of, to white women. What's that? So it's not even relevant to white women. You, it's not you, relevant you, to white women. Your counterpart to disservice, like is the, the the logic. Right. It's not relevant to white women either. And um, you know, it's important to to point out that you know, what though white women are of course also hurt by patriarchy, they benefit from white supremacy. So whereas, um, just like black men benefit are, are are affected by white supremacy but benefit from patriarchy so Absolutely. you know whereas black women are not protected by either <laughs> that part. so um you know and sure enough and this is where we want to highlight it being black maternal mental health week the 
rates of maternal death during childbirth for Black women specifically in the United States of America, which is the richest country, I think, in the world, and yet is has a horrendous healthcare system because it's mm-hmm. all profit-based, um, is abominable. And a big part of the reason for that is because based on the BMI, we then doctors, I mean, doctors, and as a physical therapist, I was complicit in this as well, prescribe Mm -hmm. dieting based on a higher BMI, which is supposedly unhealthy, which is totally untrue. Go look up the obesity paradox and your mind will be blown. So we take these, um, these bodies, which are just naturally meant to be bigger, and we prescribe dieting. And the act of dieting itself causes a biological backlash that causes weight gain over time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you you kick off a process that in the long term, three to five years or so, will actually cause the person to regain at least the amount of weight they lost, if not more. In two thirds of cases, it's even more weight. And your body will permanently raise your set point because your, yeah. your body weight set or that range where your body's happy is is genetically predetermined for the most part, just like your shoe size and your Mm -hmm. hair texture and and your skin color and your eye color is, your body weight is determined within about a 20 pound range. But because we're so fat phobic, literally fearful of fat, the moment we, our bodies to say, oh, it's winter we want a little extra cushion and we just naturally put on weight, all of a sudden we put our, our doctors or our families or ourselves put up the alarm bells and we start the next diet. And it's yeah. just so, it's so much more harmful to weight cycle, go up and down and up and down than just be fat and work on health promoting behaviors like exercise to a comfortable level. And as you know, many fruits and vegetables as you have access to in your community. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and, and that's what I want to talk about because I think that notion of what we have access to, not only in marginalized communities, but in the American populace is something that cannot be undermined when we talk about fat phobia and fatness and how it exists in our society. How many times have we seen folks who have traveled to Europe, traveled to Asia, traveled to different countries around the world, and they say, oh, I ate good, I had this, I ate that. I didn't do anything largely out of my regular diet, but I was able to maintain and sustain my weight out there in other places because the food is just so different. The quality is so different, right? So we live in a society that has standards of health and expectations of body image and a lot of hoops and hurdles that fat people have to go through. But we also live in a society that is designed to give us poor quality food that allows for us to eat chemicals and additives to our foods that are banned in countries around the world, Mm -hmm. right? And then put us in places where we have food swamps and food deserts, either deserts where there are no food options and people don't have access to get the food that nourishes their body, or more likely than not, in the 2023 uh, uh, society, communities that are oversaturated with fast food restaurants, not access to good quality, quality, healthy foods, good foods at their grocery stores, and a ton of uh, uh, options like family dollars, dollar generals, places like that, where they have to buy their groceries. And so we, the food available to us, the food you mad at fat people for eating is everywhere. You upset, but the quality of food, the systems and structures and powers that be, the institutions that be, our government make available to us are bad on our bodies. So why are you so surprised? Right. Then where does the phenomenon of fat phobia even make sense? Well, we've been set up for failure out the gate because nothing about the way that we have food privileges or 
uh, uh, puts value into the health of people. It's all about capitalism. It's all about who can make the most money. It's about profit margins, whether it's at the grocery store or at your next Chick-fil-A that's being built in your community or at the next um, 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 family dollar or dollar general that's being built faster by far than grocery stores around this country. There is a lot of ways that we have been pre-configured to then be subject to legal discrimination, like the inability to fly on airplanes or the way that people are legally discriminated and one protection that people often don't have in the workplaces against weight discrimination or the ways that we can't go and get the service and the health care that we need or the treatments that we need from our doctors uh, due to weight discrimination in those spaces, right? So it really is a whole lot simpler than just put the fork down, just turn your plate over, why you got to eat so much, why you're not doing enough. There are a lot of things that set up people for failure to either be fat, stay fat, or succumb to fatness, right? Because of the way that our society has been designed to uh, discount them or to make money off of them and commodify their lives and their experiences for a quick buck. Right. right? So we have and to be, that, we can be ignorant of that. That very much includes our conversation, go back to conversations about complex trauma. You know, mm -hmm. oftentimes why people are fat in the first place is because of a, perhaps a history of sexual trauma. There is a, a correlation there. You know, yeah. it's not it's not absolute, of course, but there's a correlation there. So you just never know what you're shaming and judging someone and what they've been through. Plus, the you can't shame communities or people for not eating organic and yet make organic completely unreachable for the average person who perhaps is making minimum wage at each of their three jobs, Come right? On. There's just so much privilege that we, um, those of us who have never had to worry about um, pinching every penny and 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 how, deciding how to feed a family on a very, very small budget. Not to mention that just because you eat what, a vegan diet or something like that doesn't mean that doesn't go without its systemic and structural violences as well, because we don't pay people appropriate wages to go out in those fields and go procure those healthier foods for us. So sure, right. I should have a better diet, but I'm also not helping take my foot off of the CO2 emissions that get released into the air because of the way that uh, these big trucks go like they're I, long story short because I can talk about the migrants that uh pick and pluck our food that don't get paid livable wages I can talk about the CO2 that is in the big rigs that drive our food from grocery store to grocery store it's really a not not a right way to do this thing it's and really a, a question of probably being intuitive because logically that's the only way you're going to be able to navigate a lot of the bear traps and a lot of the the, the just problematic natures of how we as a community of people as a country of people nourish our bodies. You gotta let you have the last word. I do want to say this. Make sure you stay tuned to the Inspired Choices Network. Make sure that you know uh, that even we know that is available weekly, same time, one, um, sorry, 2 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern. I'm, in, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I said Central. 4 p.m. Eastern. 4 p.m. Eastern. 1 p.m. PM Pacific, <laughs> anytime, wherever you find your podcast. <laughs> Say the last words and we'll jump into our break cat. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah. I just, and you can't, you know, you can't paint anything with a broad brush. Some people feel amazing going vegan where my friend and yoga teacher felt awful when he went vegan and he had to wind up introducing me. He's diabetic and he wound mm -hmm. up having to reintroduce me into his diet. So, you know, peanuts can be incredibly healthy for one person and kill another. Come on. You know, there's just no way to say what we all should be eating. The only answer to that comes from within your own body. So yeah, so please join us after the break. We're going to wrap up this conversation. Toya is going to tell us a little bit more about her personal experiences with fat phobia. 
And we will be back after the break. This is even, we know that with Kat Shores and Latoya Green. Trauma, spirituality, and intersectionality are common threads that tie our life experiences together. Understanding trauma, exploring spirituality as a tool to heal, and looking at it all through an intersectional lens is what makes our show unique. By tuning into Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz, you will gain valuable insight and clarity on the issues that affect us most, whether you realize it or not. Tune in on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Even We Know That with LaToya Green and Kat Schwarz. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to EvenWeKnowThat at gmail.com. Now back to the program. Hello, this is Even We Know That with Kat Schwarz and LaToya Green. We are focusing on fat phobia today. Before the break, we were having a great conversation about medical racism about the petition please check out on our social media i'm compassionate at compassionate healing services latoya is at higher definition lec and um you can you'll have a link you'll find a link to the petition right on my bio and um please because this really impacts the people that i care most about like my friend toya (laughs) right so when i want to hear from you toya i shared about a little bit about my own personal experiences with body image issues and chronic dieting and how that really impacted my my uh, physical and mental health, but not my uh, position in society, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's the, that's the privilege I held as someone who um, whose body was never in a size that was judged as inappropriate, sure. <laughs> right? Whether it be by the, the size of an airplane seat or by my doctor. I did actually have a doctor once um, to say to me that I tell me I had absolutely perfect health numbers and then say, but you need to lose weight. And when I said why and really challenged her on it, she could not give me a reason. And that's something, if any physician is listening, please ask yourself that same question. Show me one validated study that shows long-term weight loss is possible without just a continuation of those same exact behaviors. Mm -hmm. So please, um, I've spoken, I've spoken enough. Please tell us about your, your experiences with this, please. Well, no, my, my experiences are, are, are vast, um, and interesting in terms of fatness. I've been, um, fat or in a bigger body my entire life. I've gone back and forth about whether, especially now, more recently, fat being more acceptable as something to uh, call yourself or no different than being tall or having red hair or wear, being a glasses wearer. But I've had to really build up the relationship to own the notion of fatness as opposed to calling myself bigger body. Um, throughout my life, um, as a kid, uh, definitely always a little bit bigger that led to eventually, and I want to be clear, I actually didn't receive a lot of discrimination or I wasn't rejected from a lot of social groups. I was my school's homecoming queen. I did the radio morning announcements. I held a lot of leadership positions. And so fat phobia worked interestingly because I wasn't always uh, being picked on or being talked about, but instead I just saw the images of what I was supposed to look like in the relationships that people were getting in and the dating. And I automatically thought that something was wrong with me. Nobody was constantly telling me you're fat, you're useless, whatever. But because of what I was surrounded by, I internalized those feelings and they really started to play on my psyche. 
that led me to go to college and experience bariatric surgery in a way that I really feel like violated my body. And if we ever get a chance to revisit this, I'll talk about it more. But it was a decision that wasn't really made by me. It was a decision made by my mom because she just really felt like, you know, we didn't have any other options, that there were no other choices, that things were just so out of control. And I, I look at it in hindsight as a violation of my body. It really changed the way that my body works, the way that it performs. I have to do a lot of interesting pre-thought and pre care and maintenance and be concerned about things that the average person doesn't because I have a foreign body in my body regulating how my you know I eat food or digest food and so you know when we think about fat phobia when we suggest or recommend things like weight loss surgeries when we force diets down people's throats I think there just has to be a more standstill moments in our social conversations about how um, that triggers trauma how that creates trauma for people how that incites um, it weaves into the complex PTSD, we talk, which we talked about, the event of the surgery potentially becoming a moment that incites PTSD. There's just a lot to go into how we've been forced to respond to bodies. Uh, I can't say enough, uh, even as I dovetail out of that and talk and kind of think more about our future conversations, how crucial it is for if you have enjoyed what we've been talking about today or in, in, in other discussions that you put together the patchwork of catching up with all of us. We have four more episodes left um, to uh, before we really start to get to a place where we recalibrate and think about what's next. We even we know that. But I want you to look back at neural divergence, which is our last conversation. Go back and think about uh, complex PTSD versus uh, PTSD. Uh, and then look forward to our conversation next week. We talked about it earlier in the show. We're getting into ego and intuition and really thinking about trauma and lived experience and life through those things. So even we know that is on the move. And hopefully you are on the move with us. You're excited with us. Um, and chiming into our conversations. Don't miss out on a chance to check out a live show. Shout out to Ranchelle who did just that. Made sure she found a live, that they found a live show. That starts at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Uh, Eastern, um, and whatever times in between. If you're in the mountains, do that math. If you're in the central time zone, do that math. But listen to us wherever you find your podcast. And also, if you're listening and you got something to say, you need to be talking to Inspired Choices Network. You need to be on the website, finding a way to host your own show, finding a way to take up your own space, and finding your own way to do what we do, which is say the quiet parts out loud. We put it all on the table, myself, my wonderful co-host, Kat, always looking for ways to center spirituality, to center uh, intersectionality, and to center ourselves as people who are just in relationship trying to figure this life thing out. So I'm just so grateful for everybody who's been in the chat talking to us, Kat. I'm ever so grateful for you, um, the wonderful producers, everybody who makes uh, the show work. But this was a good conversation for me. It was cathartic. It was helpful. Um think the world tells fat people to sit down and shut up and at least don't make too much noise. Hannah talks bodies on Instagram. Hannah talks bodies on Instagram, talks a lot about being good fat versus bad fat. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of fat people have to put themselves and squeeze themselves in the mm -hmm. bodies and in positions and spaces to be seen as good, right? You're, you're fat, but at least you're this or that, or you're not this or you're not that. And so as we force people into those boxes and put ourselves into those boxes, I just want to encourage y'all to live a higher definition, to eat your food intuitively, to question how we build and love on other people who are in our lives, not based on their bodies. Kat, what do you have to say to the folks? And we'll I just wanted to also shout out, you said Hannah Talks Bodies, excellent. I also want to shout out Regan Chastain on Instagram. She's a wealth of information. And um, listen to fat people who, who are educating on this. Nick, Nick, Thank you for Nick listening to the well. Even We Know That show. LaToya and Kat return Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Mountain, and 1 p.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com.
until then, don't be afraid to say the quiet parts out loud.